version of the daily walk i'm your host wayne clevenger today we're in romans four and five and we start off with paul still defending the ritual of circumcision and the fact that it is merely that a ritual and here's the thing the jews of his time in jerusalem and those that are in rome remember he's writing a letter to the church of rome which he will never visit and he's trying to defend that you can be saved and filled with the spirit by faith alone you don't have to go through a ritual to save you and you know today we still we still face a lot of that, maybe not with the act of circumcision, but we face that a lot with baptism. A lot of time baptism is misconstrued as the saving act of becoming a Christian. And in fact, if we look at the Bible, John the Baptist would say, be baptized to show that you have been saved and repented of your sins. And so Paul is really trying to reflect to them that the act of circumcision came long after the fact that people were made right with God through faith. And, you know, still this goes back to Jesus saying your faith has healed you. Your faith has made you well. So really our faith has a lot to do with it. You know, we have to really believe that God has forgiven us. We have to really believe that we're going to turn the leaf and walk a different path and let God lead us and that we're going to give up the way of life we used to live and so what he does is he brings up the fact because the Jewish leaders that are against the whole Christian movement, the way, their big claim is, you know, unless the Gentiles get circumcised, they're not even, they have no real basis for this Christ or knowing God because they don't even believe in Christ. So... They claim they are children of Abraham. So what Paul does is he puts it back on them with the whole Abraham thing because he t he brings to light that Abraham was following God and listening to God and being true to God long before God ever had Abraham go through the ritual of circumcision. And if we look at that story back in Genesis, it's so real because God calls Abraham to pick up and move, and, and Paul uh, points this out to him. 
and go to a new land where he's going to be the father of many nations. And Abraham, in faith, does this. So God clearly accepts Abraham as righteous. And he does all this way before circumcision comes into play. And so after he's there and he's in this land, the Lord says, okay, I'm going to set you apart as my people. And that's when the Lord says, so I want you to circumcise yourself. And that's to show, and all the males, that's to show that you are a separate people from those that are already in the land. And so that's when the act of circumcision comes in. And Paul says circumcision was a sign that Abraham already had faith and that God had already accepted him and declared him to be righteous even before he was circumcised. So Abraham is the spiritual father of those who have faith but have not been circumcised. They are counted as righteous because of their faith. So he really dispels all that thing about how you have to have this before you can even be counted right with God. And and he said that, you know, it's God's promise. If God's promise is only for those who obey the law, then faith is not necessary and the promise is pointless. And see, the, the Ten Commandments weren't even made yet. They don't come till Moses. So there is no law, right? The law which is Moses' you know, Ten Commandments, the law's not there yet. So people are just moving about doing things that only that their conscience tells them is right or wrong. There was no law when Adam sinned, right? He just disobeyed straight up what the Lord told him not to do. And so he, he just points that out. So their whole point about Abraham being the their father, because Abraham was circumcised, Paul puts it back on him and says, oh, wait. Abraham moved first and foremost in faith to the land where he was going to be the father of many nations, and the Lord promised him that. And he stood there in faith, waiting even at 100 years old, in faith, way before he was ever circumcised. So we can't just say he was a father of circumcised. He was the father of the uncircumcised as well because God saw him righteous enough to call him. And so God calls all those who believe as his own. And so he closes out that chapter with, God will also count us as righteous if we believe in him the one who raised Jesus our Lord from the dead. He has handed us, he, he was handed over to die because of our sins, and he was raised to life to make us right with God. Regardless of what ritual or sacred act you have followed, it's what your heart and where your faith is. And Paul counters them with that mindset 
in chapter four, which is really good because we got to get past the fact that we have to go through all these rituals. It is truly an affair of the heart to be in a relationship with Jesus. How's your heart? Is your heart right? And that's what it's about. So I really I like this because it brings a lot of good out that before this ritual ever started, because we have so many things today that said, if you don't do it our way, then you're not worthy of God's grace. And that is not true. It's where your heart is. It's not about a certain denomination. It's not about a certain name. It's not about a certain group. It's not about a certain uh, mindset. It's where your heart is. Is your heart right with God's? Because he came for the world. And and so in chapter 5, he gets into that a little more, Paul does. And he says, you know, that because of our faith, Christ was brought, has brought us into the place of undeserved privilege where we now stand and we confidently and joyfully look forward to sharing God's glory. Again, he goes back to the faith part. We can rejoice, too, when we run into problems and trials, for we know that we they help us develop endurance. And I love this. I highlighted this. Endurance develops strength of character, and character strengthens our confident hope of salvation. And this hope will not lead to disappointment, for we know how dearly God loves us because he has given us the Holy Spirit to fill our hearts with his love. So I highlighted that. That's chapter 5, verses 3 through 5. I encourage you to highlight that because what this is saying is when we accept Jesus and we really live by faith that Jesus has gotten into our hearts, he and we accept the filling of the Holy Spirit. We aren't coming out of the world. We're not leaving all the stuff that's around us. We're leaving our old lifestyle. But we're, you know, Paul will say later, we're still in the world, but not of the world. And the way we do that and be able to not sin and fall back into our old way of life is by the leading of the power of the Holy Spirit. And these verses show us that it helps us when we endure through that develop character. What kind of character? the character that Jesus wants us to have. It helps us to, in our actions, reactions, and, and all of our direction, lean into what we now have through the infilling of the Holy Spirit in a life of Christ, not that old life that was without Christ. And there's a lot of times in my life where I think, man, I remember how I used to would respond to that. And there's people that know me that would have said, you know, I remember how you would have reacted to that. And so that's what these scriptures, these three verses are talking about, is with Jesus in your life, we can endure, we can get stronger, and our confident hope of salvation, that's that faith gets bigger because we have the leading of the Holy Spirit living in us, and he brings us and so when you get to the end of your rope and you think oh my goodness how am I going to do this 
Verse 6 says, when we're utterly hopeless, Christ came at the right time. And I love this. I highlighted that in a different color because I wanted it to stand out. He came at just the right time, and he always comes at just the right time. And in this verse, it says, and he gave his life for us sinners. So right when we think it's we're hopeless, Jesus says, no, you're not. And to show you that I think you're worthy, I'm going to give you my life for you, and I'm going to go conquer all those things that you're battling, and I'm going to go whoop Satan's tail in his place and then i'm gonna conquer it and rise up over it and beat the grave and take those keys to hades and i'm gonna rise again to show you that you can do this when i live in you how exemplary is that and so the scripture goes on i love this part this is the greatest part in romans 5 God showed us his great love for us by sending Christ to die for us while we were still sinners. See, that's what I'm talking about. When we're still out there and we're at wit's end, Jesus said we are worth it. And so he gives us life for us and he says, and he says, you're worth it and I'm going to show you you're worth it because I'm going to go defeat Satan and I'm going to rise again and I'm going to call you to be with me and then I'm, I'm backtracking through the scripture here you're going to have your holy spirit with you walking with you because you're going to be a new creation in me because i've done all this for you that's how much jesus thinks you're worth it and you're going to be able to endure for it through those tough times now you're going to get stronger through those tough times now because all your hope is in Jesus because you have the Holy Spirit living in you and you are going to be, uh-oh, I'm going to give this away, more than conquerors. I promise you you're going to see that in a verse here soon. So I just think that's exciting. So Paul gives us that great hope and what it's really like, it's not about going through a ritual. It's not about getting circumcised in a physical act. Circumcision is now an affair of the heart where we cut away the old life and get a new life in Jesus. And our heart's been made right with the Lord. And then what's really cool is he, he just contrasts Adam and Christ. And he's like, just as one man brought sin into the world and death became real from that, through God's wonderful grace, another gift came into the world named Jesus Christ. And just as Adam's sin led to condemnation for all of us, because remember uh, Romans 3.23, all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God because of Adam, because Adam brings in the original sin where our free will just leads us into this human nature to do our own thing. God sends another man. There's only two men created by God, right? Adam and Christ. Everybody else is created through uh, the worldly loving affection of man. But only two men were created by God, Adam and and Christ and the second man created by God comes 
and he comes to the world as a free gift from God, and through this man, we are made right before God, even though we all carry that inner carnal nature of sinning. So the second man is the one that makes us right, and that's Christ. And so even though Adam brings in the sin of condemnation for all of us, Christ's one act of righteousness brings one right relationship with God and a new life for everyone. Because one person disobeyed God, which was Adam, many became sinners. But because one person obeyed God, Jesus, many will be made righteous. Isn't that amazing how if we obey God, all this good stuff happens. But if we disobey God, calamity strikes. You know, that's real today, still. If we disobey God, we can be assured that something is going to happen that's not going to be eventful for us. But if we obey God, we can be assured of many blessings that come from obedience. It's kind of like this, and this just hit me. The Lord just laid this on me. I was going to take my daughter to school in Florida, and my GPS told me I was down by Chattanooga. And my GPS was telling me to go a certain way, and I thought, oh, that can't be right. So I, I, took, I followed the signs that I thought were right, and instead... If I would have stayed with my GPS, I would have been able to skirt right along the outskirts of Chattanooga and never have had any issue, and I would have been able to just fly on down to Florida. <laughs> but because I chose my own way and didn't go the way that was told to me, we ended up going downtown Chattanooga in the business district in rush hour and it took us an extra hour just to get through chattanooga tennessee see if i had been obedient to what was given me it would have saved us a whole lot of calamity but because i chose my own way it was a whole lot rougher where if i would have been true to what was given me and suggested me and followed what was the right way, I could have saved myself a whole lot of grief. And so really Jesus knows the right way. And if we want to follow the right way, instead of veering off on our own path because, oh no, that can't be right. We can save ourselves a whole lot of grief. And so I, I just wonder if we know that the author of life and the one that is able to see all things greater than we do, if he's trying to give us some direction, will we follow his direction or will we say, no, I think I can know this better and end up in the traffic jam of traffic jams?
Who are you going to follow today? It's Monday. It's the beginning of the work week. I don't know about you, but I think I want to follow Jesus. Have a great day. Tomorrow's a rest day, catch-up day. So let's just praise the Lord, okay? Have a great work week. We'll catch you on Wednesday. Oh, I trust in God, my Savior.